0: i feel.
1: here's the deal. Seven years ago, some of you weren't here. Seven years ago, you guys gave me this for pastor appreciation and you signed it, right? So I can't burn it because you guys signed it. So what I'm doing today is I'm showing how much I love and care about you guys, even, even in your delirious, delusional state of being Chiefs fans. I love you. Come here, son. Hunter, on the other hand, if you can see Hunter this morning has not reached that level of sanctification just yet, okay? He's, he's my kindred soul this morning right here, rocking the Elway jersey, all right? Well, I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Welcome to Crossbridge, Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, as much fun as tonight's going to be, we should have just as much fun in here this morning worshiping our Lord and Savior, okay? So, Yeah. We are going to hold a special Bible study tonight at 5.30, okay? It's mandatory, all right? No, just teasing. Let's open in prayer and have our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that uh, we are here this morning, Lord, to worship you, uh, Lord. We love you, and uh, Lord, uh, you, you created everything, and you're behind everything, so... I'm happy that we can laugh and have a good time this morning and worship you and be joyful. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for that today. So be with us today as we worship you in song, in the preaching of your word. Lord, I love the body. We love you. And in all things, we give you the praise and glory. In your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple minutes and welcome everyone this morning. them turn this mic on. Okay, you may be seated this morning. So we switch mics real quick because I'm excited. I love when we get to open the service with baptism. So we're going to open the service this morning with baptism. I would say probably we're obviously this is heated. Feels really nice. Yeah. We're going to get back to the river though probably next month. So uh, if you have, so yeah. So if you have questions about baptism, we know we got a couple today, Mike's about ready to do. Uh, If you have questions about baptism, please come and see us and talk to us. Love having those discussions, love talking about what baptism is. And I'm sure Mike's going to explain a little bit right here. So take it away, buddy.
2: Morning. All right. So uh, what we do is uh, we want to make sure and educate our church. And uh, so two guys, uh, Robbie or uh, Roy, one of you guys come on out. Yeah. Yeah, there's Robbie. All right. So, amen. Man, if you guys don't know, the Lord's done a mighty work in both these gentlemen, and, uh, and I wanna, we want to make sure that we take time to educate uh, our congregation and let you know. Brother Robbie here, um, he, he made a profession uh, earlier in life. He got baptized, uh, but he, he, his life never changed. Uh, he was the opposite of 2 Corinthians 5:17. He he uh, he never had a heart change, and because he never had a heart change, um, the direction of his life uh, didn't change. In fact, it got worse. So what ended up happening is Robbie came into the freeway program, and then through he fell under conviction through the preaching of the word. He heard a message on repentance, and and through that, what Robbie did is he nailed it down. And then uh, and then and then he says, okay, well that baptism that I made before didn't count because baptism comes after salvation and so he said hey i want to get baptized and then uh, brother roy here roy was sprinkled as a baby right wasn't saved obviously when he was sprinkled and so he comes uh he comes he was in prison got saved in prison comes out into the freeway program and through discipleship and then him uh him listening uh you know when he's when he's present at church and discipleship and he said hey uh, you know uh i haven't been baptized after i got saved and and so I said, "Okay, well, this is why you need to do it." And uh, and so, man, this is this is this is what we're talking about. Two guys, right, uh, that um, that are doing it right now because uh, they learned what they need to do, and they said, "Hey, I want to get this done and nail it down." So, brother Robbie, come on in here, my friend. Just take. You can pay me later that we're not doing it in the creek. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So go ahead and sit on down, my friend. Oh yeah, that's nice. All right. So uh, grab a hold of my hand. And so, Robbie, have you made a, a have you uh, made a profession in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, sir. All right. I, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Him in baptism, raised to walk the newness of life. <laughs> Amen, brother. Watch your step. Nah, no no better way to start a service. All right. Come on in, in there, Brother Roy. Hop on down there. Just remember, 20 bucks later, okay? <laughs> oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I guess I shouldn't have said that. Okay. <laughs> So, so Brother Roy, um, have you uh, made a profession in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Grab a hold of my hand there. All right. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life.
1: All right, you may be seated this morning. Congratulations! I I always, we always love opening a service with uh, with baptism. So, I got several announcements this morning. Uh, Women, women announcements this week. Women's coffee uh, and breakfast is Wednesday morning uh, at Grillo's at eight thirty a.m. There's also going to be a a dinner that the church is providing for the young family uh, for a funeral. That is Tuesday afternoon at 4.30. So if you would like to bring food by, they can bring it by in the morning. It's at the association office, the Webster County Baptist Association office. She'll either be here in the morning or over there around 3 o'clock at the association office. So, um, yeah, definitely we can do that. Thank you, Ace. Uh, Okay. Uh, women's retreat also, yeah, <laughs> ice skating up here. Uh, w- uh, the women's retreat is in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Uh, it's April 28th through May 1st. Uh, it's 160 dollars a person. There's it's limited to 12 ladies. So we're gonna pass this around again. Please get signed up, uh, ladies, if you would like to go on the women's retreat uh, that weekend. Uh, young adult gathering. This is a new announcement. Next Saturday. Uh, on the, tw- I think that's 20, 20- is it next Saturday? No, Saturday after that, two weeks from now. Uh, Saturday the 24th at 3 o'clock, they're going to play pickleball in Springfield. Uh, if you're a young adult, this is um, what, 18 to uh, 24, 25, somewhere in there. If you're a young adult, college age, newly married, and you want to get together with the other young adults, we have a whole bunch of young adults and new married couples here. Uh, so they're gonna, there's a, a Facebook page, a Crossbridge Young Adult Facebook page. All the details are going to be on that. So go to that Facebook page, or you can see Dustin and Rachel. They're going to be putting that together. Uh, it's in uh, a, a couple of weeks uh, on the 24th, so at 3 o'clock. So they'll have all those details. Uh, what else we got here? So no classes tonight, no Bible study tonight. So uh, enjoy your game. All right. No, seriously, have fun. It'll be fun. All right, have fun. Alan, where's Alan? Where's our drummer? Stand up back there, drummer. Look at that shirt. Hey. Whoa. We got some Niner fans here today, right? Yeah. Okay. All right, <laughs> so, so no Bible study tonight. Wednesday night, so I know we have some visitors here today. If you, if you have never came on Wednesday night, we have dinner every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We have classes at 6.45, so you have kids' classes, youth classes. We have uh, an adult Bible study. Um, I, if you need to meet with me about something, about baptism or salvation or just questions, I don't know. Uh, we, I schedule a lot of meetings on Wednesday, so get with us. Uh would love to have you come. Thank you uh, on, on Wednesday nights. Uh, Grief Share, that has started back up, Grief Share on Thursday night, so if you're interested in Grief Share, please see Stephanie or Michael Um, every Thursday night at 6 o'clock, every Thursday night here at the church at 6 o'clock, a great ministry, great program. Chocolate-covered strawberries, so this is the last day, the last day to order uh, chocolate-covered strawberries. Those, when are they going to be passed out, like this week? Tuesday, you're doing them Tuesday. So if you would like to order, uh, please fill this out, uh, pass that around the church. Tammy's in charge of that. She's going to be doing that this week. I think you've got like 150 dozen sold, and they wanted to sell like 300 and something. So if you haven't bought strawberries and you want some strawberries for Valentine's Day, please uh, get that taken care of today. Get with Tammy. Uh, we have a business meeting right after church. It'll be brief. Uh, hopefully it'll be brief. We're going to talk about the women's uh, house. and So please stay. We'll hand out church financials. We've got new members to vote in. Uh, so we are going to have a business meeting. It'll happen about 10 minutes after the close of service. Also, next weekend is the marriage conference. So if you are going to the marriage conference, I need to know. I would like to know uh, because... We usually go out to dinner with one another that Friday night, and so I need to have a number of the people that are going so I can make reservations for somewhere in Branson for us to all eat dinner with one another. So please let me know today after church if you're going or send me a text or something so I can get an accurate count. If you haven't signed up, you can still sign up. Uh, It's called Living United. Um, It's a marriage conference. It's put on by uh, United Baptist Church in Springfield. It's at Chateau on the Lake. So you can go, There's, I've put the link several times on, on Facebook if you're interested in how to sign up for that. Uh, it's Friday afternoon, I think it starts at 2 o'clock Friday afternoon, and then we get done Saturday afternoon. So uh, it's, it's, it's a great time. I think there was probably 18 of us who went last year, had just a blast. I thought it was just a really good conference, and so definitely would love to have you come uh, this year uh, with us. So. Uh, men's Prayer Breakfast is the 17th this coming Saturday at 8 a.m. Uh, Michael will have that. So, uh, fellas, if you're not going to the marriage conference with your wife and you or, uh, or you're single or whatever the case is, come to Men's Prayer Breakfast. It's at Grillo's at 8 a.m. Uh, next Saturday morning. So I think I covered everything. Friday night went really good on the parents' night out. Parents, thank you for bringing the kids. We had a really good time. I did not have to hogtie any kids. They were all good, right? Savannah did a good job with that, so we had a good time Friday night. So thank you, Savannah, and everyone that did that Friday night. Anything else on announcements? Yes, sir. Next Sunday at 1 1 o'clock, there's a church work day at Crystal and Nikki. So if you would like to help with that, uh, please see uh, Mike. Anything else this morning? Okay, let's worship. So if you would stand, we're going to take up our morning offering, have our time of worship uh, today, before we jump into God's word together, so let's go, to the Lord, in prayer, and we'll bless our morning offering. Lord Jesus, again, we thank you, uh, God, just for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, to worship you. And uh, a part of that is giving. And so, Lord, I, God, I just pray uh, this morning we give you our best that you use this to further the kingdom uh, all around the world. God, we we support missionaries that are in other countries. We support them on a local level. Uh, and so, Lord, I, that's our whole purpose in being here today is to worship you and to get the gospel out. And so, Lord, uh, we give you our best this morning. We love you and thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
3: I'll tune in real quick. Right, sorry. That was quick. That was quick. All right. So how's everybody doing? Sorry, I didn't even I didn't even say anything this morning. I was just excited about worship. So, um babies here. Y'all know that I'm sure you said on Facebook. Um, if we could keep my wife in your prayers. She's battling a little postpartum and she probably would be mad that I announced that, but um, just pray for her. Uh, it's hard for her right now. so, And that makes it hard on me. So, uh, yeah. so pray for me, too, that I can have the patience to uh, uh, handle it, I guess. I don't know how else to say that. But you know how guys are. We're just like, whatever. yeah, Okay. And then she's just crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? I don't know, babe. Yeah, so anyway, pray for me and her. How's that? This next song is uh, Fill My Cup. Guys, if your cup ain't full, here's a place to do it. For real.
0: Been walking to the city I cannot see. Through oh, oh, oh. the dance of the valley where Fill my room up with healing. Lord, I need you. Fill my days up with needing. Fill my future with vision. Goodness, grace, and provision. Lord, I need you. And when I get to the city, I cannot see you.
1: Thank you, guys. Congratulations. Congratulations on new baby. Uh, we will, we're going to pray for you guys in just a second, okay? Uh, children can go downstairs uh, to Children's Church, second grade and below. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2. Who's got them today? Savannah? Susanna's got the kids downstairs. Chester, are you going too? You passed that background check, right, Chester? He did. All right. Chester's going to help. You better behave back here or will get after you, Chester. All right. Exodus chapter 2. Exodus, his name's really Chasten, but I give everybody a nickname, and his is Chester. So whenever you see a Chester's fried chicken, you can think of him. <laughs> Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. I didn't get very far, guys, from last week, to be honest with you. I just didn't. There's so much here. So Exodus 2, 11 through 15. It says this One day when Moses had grown up, He went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, "'Why do you strike your companion?' He answered, "'Who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian?' Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning uh, again for just for the opportunity to be here today, Lord. And uh, we heard this request. I do lift up uh, Ace and Alyssa i I'm so happy for their family. And uh, Lord, I, I, I pray you just bless them this week and encourage them and let them know they have a whole church family that loves and cares about them. And so just be with them today. Um, and as God, we jump into your word today uh, here, Lord. There's a lot for us to learn. Uh, out of this text and so um, and apply to our own lives and how we deal with situations when things come up. And uh, so, Lord, I, I pray that um, we'll learn today and you will be glorified. And not only will we learn, Lord, but we'll put it to practice in our life and how we handle when we sin. And so, God, I love you and I thank you this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, back here, uh, again, in the book of Exodus this morning, we look at Moses. Um, and last week was really, uh, uh, Moses was... We looked at his faith and just the phenomenal uh, decisions that he made, and how he was raised, how he grew up, uh, and he was raised a, a son of Pharaoh's daughter. And if you remember last week, he literally had like every advantage that you could possibly have growing up. He he would I, I remember last week one of the things I said and, and kind of cliche thing is he was born with what a silver spoon in his mouth. He would have had every advantage growing up in Pharaoh's house uh, as a son of Pharaoh's daughter, and. Uh, we, We talked about how Moses gave up that. He gave up all of those worldly pleasures of Egypt to follow the true God of Israel. And Hebrews 11 told us that by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he literally chose to be mistreated as a child, identifying as a child the people of God. He chose to be mistreated, enslaved... He identified with that because he was identifying with the true God, and so he gave up because Egyptians worship false gods, and so he, but but they had they were the wealthy ones they had everything, and he gave all that up to follow the true God, and so we too today must forsake the world and follow Christ. That is picking up your cross daily and following Him. It's turning from this life of worldly uh, desires that Satan makes desirable to follow Christ. And, how did, and we talked about how Moses, how did he learn that? Moses learned all of that faith from his parents who were active in raising him early on. Even though he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter, if you remember, his parents got to raise him up for quite a while uh, as, as, a, as a child. And, and that told us how impressionable these kids are. Uh, when kids are around you, they watch you, they hear you, they see you. And so parents don't think that at home you can act one way Monday through Saturday and then Sunday saying, oh, how I love Jesus. If you don't do, oh, how I love Jesus Monday through Saturday, your kids are going to look at that and go, he's just a fake and a fraud. He doesn't really believe in this God. And then you know what's going to happen? They're not going to believe in God. Because that's the example we set or you're setting. So how important it was to Moses that he saw his parents loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind. Something later that he wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you remember. So today in the text, kind of getting us caught up, we see, it's really the same verses, we see why Moses left Egypt. Moses had killed an Egyptian. And so there is some debate, and I, and I really never, as I was studying this and reading on this, I never really thought there would ever be a debate about this, but there's actually a theological debate about this, about whether Moses was justified in what he did. So, uh, And I read some of the, uh, the articles that and some of the commentaries that said, no, 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 Moses wasn't. He was okay in killing this Egyptian. But then when you look at the text, and there weren't very many, uh, but, but when you look at the text, it, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. Uh, at one side that says... He was justified. They say that Moses was fulfilling his calling by leading Israel away from Egypt. That he knew warfare was one of those ways that they would have to fight the enemy. And because of that, he acted out in faith. And that his work began when he saw one of his people being mistreated. And so that he was fulfilling his calling. And, and I, I'll tell you, church, I just don't buy that at all. If you look into the text, it really tells us what Moses did. And it's really not any different many times from what we do when we sin. And so the first point is, I I, I come out pretty strong here, but it's that Moses murders. This is murder. This is not a justifiable act of war. This is murder. So what does Moses do when he does this? Well, the first thing he does is he looks around. So in verse 12, it says, He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian. So Moses was concerned... About who saw him doing this. He looked around to see if he was in the clear. Right? Why does he do that? He's trying to be sneaky. He knows what he's about to do he shouldn't do. So he wants to make sure that nobody's doing it. Now, I want to make sure we understand. Moses is one of the great heroes of the faith of the Old Testament. Right? I'm not bashing on Moses this morning. I'm simply pointing out things in his life that he didn't do the right way. And there's a reason why it's here. And I think it's for us to learn from. It's to learn about Moses. Uh, and, it, and, and one of the things we're going to talk about in the coming weeks is that even though Moses did this, God didn't stop using him. Even though Moses had committed a horrible sin, he didn't stop using him. In fact, he uses him mightily, greatly. Well, probably the greatest historical figure of the Old Testament, right? Guess what that gives us? Hope. <laughs> Hope. That even though I have totally messed up my life with sin, And that should be everybody in here. At one time or another, has totally messed their life up with sin. That God can still use you. He can still use you. You're not disqualified, right? So what does Moses do, though? He tries to be sneaky. He checks the area to see if anybody's going to catch him. Now, when I I thought of this, I immediately went to Selena. and I go, you remember when that happened? You remember this story? And this story really happened. It was about 17 years ago. We came up with about 17 years ago. Uh, Selena and I... Uh, we thought about this, we, we had pulled up, you guys remember the old price cutter was, it wasn't in the building it is now, it was in the other one, uh, in the Young Shopping Center. We had pulled up to Price Cutter Grocery Store, and I stayed in the car, and she ran in uh, to get something real quick out of the store, she had to stop by and get something. And I stayed in the car, Sierra was really, really young, and Savannah was a baby. And Hunter and Sydney weren't even here yet, right? And so Selena goes in, and a car pulls in next to us, right? Right in next to the spot next to us. And there's a, a, the mom gets out, and she goes in the store. And there's a little 10-year-old boy, I'd say 10 or 11, maybe 12-year-old boy, that's in the car. And as soon as his mom gets in the store, he looks around to see if anyone's looking. And he jumps out of the car, and he walks up to where people put their cigarette butts. And this kid starts trying to find a cigarette out of the cigarette butt thing, and he t- finds one, and he takes it back to his car. And ugh, ugh. smoking's bad enough, right? I mean, yeah, but smoking is somebody else. Ugh. And he takes it back to his car, and he lights this thing up. And 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 uh, and right when Selena, right, he does this right as Selena comes back out of the store, walking out, and she gets in the car, and I roll the window down. And in my biggest gruff football voice, right? Like my football team knows like if I'm upset. Mm. In my biggest gruff voice, I yell, hey! And he turns looks at me. And I said, I saw your mom go in that store. Do you think she'd like you sitting out here smoking? And his eyes got great big. And he said, he said no, sir. And I said, put it out. He threw that thing out quicker than anything. And Selena's like, what is going on, right? I had this kid scared to death. Because he had not scouted out the area good enough. Right? He was trying to be sneaky. And he got caught. You know, that's the same thing that Moses did. Moses was trying to be sneaky with his sin. He thought that he could get away with it. But Moses knew what he was about to do was wrong. That's why he looked around. You know, when you're about ready to do something wrong... Do you ever look around to make sure that nobody sees you? Even adults, you look around to make sure, I know I shouldn't be doing this. You make sure that no one sees it. And you think that you're getting away with it. Listen, there were people that saw what Moses did. But more importantly than people, do you know who sees what we do? God. God. God sees everything that we do. Hebrews 4.13 says this, No creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. That means that there's nothing that God doesn't see. And everything that we do is going to be brought into account. Psalms 33.13 says, The Lord looks down from heaven, He sees all the children of men. He sees everything. So listen... We can't get sneaky with God. God's going to see when we're trying to sneak things around. And we may think we can get away with it for a while, but we're not. There's nothing that Moses can do here that God can't see. What a lesson that is for us. That there's nothing that we can do that we think we can get away with that God doesn't see. I think of all the people in the Bible that tried to get sneaky with God. I think about Adam and Eve, right in the very beginning. What did Adam and Eve do? They go hide. They try to hide. I think of Cain. Cain thinks he got away with it. What happens when Cain kills Abel? Abel's what? His blood does what? Cries from the ground to God. He doesn't get away with it. I think of David. David, now these are all like... Most of these people are amazing historical figures of the Old Testament. King David's like, man, God says he's a man after his own heart. But David tried to get sneaky with Bathsheba. What did he do? He sent a letter to have Uriah killed. Nobody's going to see the letter because I'm going to seal it with my own seal. And Uriah will take his death letter back and we'll get rid of Uriah. And that way I can marry Bathsheba and we'll fix this whole thing up. But guess what? God sees it. And what does he do? He sends a prophet. By whose name? Who? Yeah, not Samuel. Nathan. Sends Nathan. He sends Nathan to David. And what does Nathan say? Tells him a little story. Saying that God sees everything, David. And God is. See- you tried to do this behind closed doors, but your punishment's going to be done in front of all of Israel is what he tells them. I think of Jonah. Jonah tried to sneak around. Get away from God, from doing what God told him to do. These are just a few examples of men and women that try to get sneaky. Even lost people, lost people think they can get away with it. They think they can get sneaky. It it doesn't work out. And it's not going to work out for us. You might think you're going to get away with something. You might think you're going to get away with the sin. We just don't. We just don't. How else do we know what Moses did there was wrong, was sin? What did he try to do? Moses, after he kills the guy, tries to hide it. He tries to hide the body. Verse 12 says, he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So what's Moses try to do? i got to get rid of the evidence. I'm going to get rid of the evidence of this by hiding the body. Hide the evidence of the sin. So when Moses tries to hide the body, what is he doing? When he tries to hide the sin, what is he doing? He's showing a guilty what? A guilty conscience. He knows what he did is wrong. So instead of when we sin, try to hide it, that's, that's a way that you're, the Holy Spirit is telling you if you're a follower of Christ that what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. It's a way that the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to you that it's sin. Moses does that. He tries to hide it. I, I, I think of all the other examples too. Some of the ones I just mentioned of these people, the same ones that I just mentioned, that try to hide their sin. Adam and Eve hiding in the Garden of Eden. They try to hide. Elijah tries to hide out in a cave. He's scared of the dangers and challenges he faced instead of just trusting God. King David hides just by committing more and more sin. He tries to hide the sin by piling more sin on top of it. i got to hide this sin, so I'm going to send some more and put that on top. And you know what starts happening? You know how how big problems of sin happen, honestly? They don't happen with big problems of sin all at once. They happen with little sin. And then little sin, when you don't take care of it, turns into a bigger sin. Because then you know what you have to do? you got to try to lie to cover up that sin. And then you got to try to sin to cover up that sin. There was was a, a lawmaker, I think, here recently, that was kicked out of the House of Representatives. One of the first times in... I don't know. Ever, I think. And he was from New York. He was a Republican from New York that he ran for office. He was voted in. And then they started seeing all the stuff that he said about himself wasn't true. Like where he got a degree, where he got an education, where he worked. He said he worked at all these places. So some, some reporters, which we don't really have very many true reporters today that actually want to report. Another sermon on that, I guess. But they don't, they just don't. They, they'll just take, uh, we'll just try to smooth, we have propaganda machines, right? That's just the truth. So, but a reporter actually decides to report a little bit and do some digging on the person that he's supposed to and they find out, well, that's, the college says, we don't have anybody by, they got a master's degree from here. And what happened is this guy started lying. And it compounds over, and because over, he has to cover that lie. And then he got to cover that lie. And then you got to cover that one. And soon his whole life is a lie. And he's elected to Congress. Man, voters not doing their job. Whew. But he's elected to Congress. Right? And Congress finally says, well, your whole life's a lie. You're not, we're going to vote you out. And the Congress kicks him out. The other representatives vote to kick him out. But, but it all starts with a little sin. Here's, here's a really a, a, a truth here. Listen, if you'll take care of little sin in your life, you don't have big sin to take care of. If you just take care of the little things in your life you know are wrong, it's not going to compound itself. But here, we compound this, it gets compounded. We should learn from these examples. If it doesn't go good with them in in scripture, do you think it's gonna go any better for us when we do the same thing? No. It's something that we we can't get sneaky with God or think that we can hide our sin from God. There's no, listen, there's no room. Ever I've said this before. But everybody has a room or a drawer in their house, right, where all the junk goes. Maybe not a room, but a drawer. And you open that drawer. It's usually in the kitchen, right? Ladies, I'm getting the ladies right now. You open that drawer, and there's 10 million things in that drawer. Right? Now, 10 million is an exaggeration, but you can't find. I need a pair of scissors. It's in that drawer. No way I'm finding a pair of scissors in here. You dump everything on that drawer. It's like where all the junk goes. Or you have a closet. Where if, if somebody's coming over and you haven't, you haven't picked up the house, you throw everything into that closet. And when you're showing them the house, guess what you don't open? That closet, right? Because we think we can hide all of our junk and we can, we can hide stuff and it puts us in a better light. We can't do that with God. Your stand as a follower of Christ, he has, he has access to everything. Even if you're not a follower of Christ, he has access to everything. He knows everything. There's nothing that we can hide from him. All right, another reason that we know that Moses sinned by killing this Egyptian. What did he do? Verse 15. When Moses heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and uh, stayed in the uh, stayed in the land of Midian. So what happens? Moses does this, and he's scared of the earthly punishment that is going to come from Pharaoh because he murdered an Egyptian and he runs now here's what's really brought this whole thing to me is like well there's no way that Moses is acting in faith here because if Moses had really thought he was acting in faith to God then he would have had faith that God was going to save him from Pharaoh he would have said no 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 I'm serving God by killing this Egyptian and you can't do anything to me Pharaoh because I serve a God that can take you out that's what he would have said we see that in scripture you know where you see that? Remember in Daniel chapter 3. Remember in Daniel chapter 3, there's these three dudes named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're three Jews. They're Hebrews who serve, the God, who serve God. And they, they're brought before King Nebuchadnezzar because they refuse to bow down and worship a statue of him. They say, no, no, no. In faith, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not bowing down. We don't bow down to anything but the true God. And so they bring him before Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar says, boys... Jeff's version, read Daniel chapter 3 Okay, he says boys you either bow down or I'm throwing you in that furnace and they say "Oh, oh Nebuchadnezzar we're not going to bow down to anything but God no furnace nothing's going to make us bow down to you even if God doesn't save us we're still not going to bow down to you and Nebuchadnezzar is madder than a wet hen, he's mad and his Bible says, his face is distorted with rage. He's so angry. He's so angry, because he's the king. and you're going to bow down to me. He says, "Heat the furnace seven times hotter than you've ever heated it. They heat that furnace so hot. I don't know if any of you have a wood stove. I have an outside wood stove. When you open that thing, you better be careful. You better crack it a little bit, get a draft going, because if you just open it real quick, you know what happens? The flames shoot out. And they can burn your eyebrows off. (laughs) So you got to be careful. Nebuchadnezzar's soldiers open that door. And flames, it's so hot, the flames kill them. They take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they throw them into the fire. Guess what happens? God saves them. He saves them. In fact, it says something like the son of God or an angel of God is in there with them walking around. And they pull them out. Not even a burn. They don't even smell like smoke. I don't put wood on my fire before church service on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night. Because I'll smell like smoke. They are inside the fire and they don't smell like smoke. Because God saved them. If Moses really... Now that's faith. That's faith. If Moses has that faith, you know what he does? You ain't do nothing to me, Pharaoh. I'm serving God in faith. He don't do that though. What does he do? He runs because he knows what he did was wrong. So he runs. He runs. He shows by his actions that it was sin. Now, once again, I'm not picking on Moses. We have all acted like Moses in our own lives. Moses sinned. We sin. So the question this morning, and what we learn here in this text, is not whether we're going to sin, okay? It's how we're going to handle it when we do. Now here's the meat and potatoes of this sermon this morning. It's not, folks, that you're not going to sin. Even if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're my brother or sister this morning, you are going to keep sinning. You have a sin nature. There's a battle that rages. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You will sin. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. The Apostle Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the worst. People look at me and Mike and Mike as pastors and say, man, they just must be perfect. No, I'm the chief of sinners. That's Selena. Chief, okay? Chief of sinners. By far, everyone in here is going to sin. Moses isn't any different. But what do we do? How do we handle that sin with God? Here's two quick things, and they're important. I want you to memorize them or write them down. Number one, you confess the sin. When you sin, you confess it. To confess our sin first means to do what? Agree with God that it's sin. You agree with God that it's sin. We must agree with God that if the Bible says something is sin, and we do it, it's sin in our lives. We must be completely honest before God. Don't excuse it away. Don't try to be sneaky. If it's sin, it's sin. Proverbs 28 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So, what is concealing? Hiding. You know what? You're not going to grow in Christ if you keep trying to hide sin, you're going to be stuck. Brothers and sisters, if you're lost this morning, you don't know Christ your Savior, you're not going to prosper in anything spiritually until you agree with God that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You have to agree with God about sin. You know, that's the real problem. You know, we, we as a church, well, man, the church, they always talk about LGBTQ issues and transgender things. And man, Pastor Jeff talks about that a lot. Yeah, you know why I talk about that a lot? Because our society says it's not sin. And that's creeping into the church. It's sin. Because the Bible says it's sin. If society was hung up on thievery, and they said, oh, you can which they kind of are, because they let people steal and don't punish them. But if, if that was the big thing, guess what Pastor Jeff would talk about? Thievery. Right? Because the Bible says it's wrong. So you have to agree with God. Not excuse it away. And say, "Well, this is just my lifestyle, and this is how I want to live my life." Ooh, yeah. Then live a life of sin, alienated from God, because that's what you're doing. But the church should never embrace that, because it's wrong. It's sin, just like adultery's wrong, just like cohabitation before you're married's wrong. Ooh, hmm, hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's wrong. It's sin. You come to me or Mike or Mike, and you say. Oh, we love one another. Will you marry us, and you're living together in sin. Guess who's not marrying you? Me or Mike or Mike. Go to a judge. Right? We have to agree with God. When we confess our sins to God, we do so humbly before Him. You know why we teach one of the littlest things you do with children? You teach them when we pray to do what? We usually say, Bow your heads in prayer. You know what bowing your head is? It's acknowledging that you are nothing before the creator of the universe. You bow your heads humbly. It's a sign of submission to God. We come before Him humbly confessing our sin. And for lots of people, that's a real problem. That's a real problem. They get hung up right there. Because you know what people want to do? Naturally, you know what we want to do? We want to justify ourselves. We want to justify ourselves. We try to hide the sin, run from the sin, be sneaky with the sin, or just say that it's not sin. And we justify ourselves. Or it's somebody else's fault. Well, I mean, they made me do it. I mean, you don't understand the person I have to deal with, or you don't understand this or that, right? No, 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 no. no. You know what David said? Nathan said to David, You're the man. He told him a story. You guys remember the story? Try not to carry on too long, but here's the story. He said, there's a poor farmer, poor, poor man, who had nothing. He had one little lamb. One little lamb. He fed it from his own table. He raised it like a child. And there was a rich man who had many flocks. The rich man decided to have a party. Instead of taking one of his from his flock, he took the poor man's lamb and he He killed it and he roasted it and he fed it to his guests. And David said, Nathan, or Nathan said to David, Nathan said, David, what should happen to that rich man? And David flew into a rage and he said, That man should surely die. He should have to pay back sevenfold of what he stole from that poor man. And you know what Nathan said? You're the man. That's you. Because God blessed you with all this stuff. And you despise the word of the Lord, and you stole Bathsheba, and you killed Uriah. You're the man, David. And you know what David didn't do? David didn't go, oh, but somebody else's fault. It's, it's somebody else's fault. You know what David did? He confessed his sin. He said, I have sinned against God. He agreed with God that it was sin. You know what God said? God said, yes. You're not going to die for this sin, but you're going to be punished. right? David agreed with God. And God said about David, he's a man out of my own heart. That's amazing. It's amazing. We have to confess the sin. And when you confess sin, what does Scripture say? First John nine: if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He cleanses us. He forgives us if we just will humble ourselves before God, you know, in the in the first part of the Sermon on the Mount in chapter five, you know, there's these things called. You know what they're called? The Beatitudes. You know what one of those are? It's Matthew five three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what poor in spirit means? It doesn't mean financially poor. It means broken before God about your sin. It means you're spiritually broken. That you know, apart from Christ, you're nothing. You confess your sins and you're broken over your sin. And when you do that, you know what happens? You have salvation. You receive salvation. You have salvation. Poor in spirit means broken over sin. All right. so last point. After we confess the sin, what do we do? Where's this word now? Forsake sin. You forsake the sin. Jesus gives us an example of this. He he, he catches a woman. There's a woman caught in adultery that's brought before him, drugged before him. And everyone's wanting to stone her to death, which is a justifiable punishment in the Old Testament for that. And Jesus says, He bends down, He writes in the sand. We don't know what He wrote. May He wrote some Ten Commandments. I don't know. May have wrote the law. We don't know. We're not for sure. Jesus writes in the sand, and He looks at all the accusers. And he says, You who are without sin, you throw the first stone. Suddenly, like, oh, I've got sin. And they start dropping their stones and they leave. And what's the last thing Jesus says to her? Go and sin no more. Now does that mean, does that mean that this lady was never going to commit another sin in her entire life? No, that's not what it means. Jesus knows this woman is not ever going to sin again. What does he mean? He's telling her to go live a holy life. Go live a life honoring me. Not perfect, only he could do that. Live a life honoring me. We can't claim to properly be handling sin if we refuse to give up the sin. If we refuse to, if we just keep doing it. Like, like, here's an example. If I find, in springtime, these things start coming out. If you find a nest of copperheads in your house, what do you do with them? Do you go, do you go let your kids, oh, these are little toys, let's handle the baby copperhead. no. No. some of you'd probably ride a match and burn your house down. Right? Ladies in here would have the guns and knives and be, you know, you don't mess with copperheads, especially little babies. Actually, the baby copperheads are worse than the adults because they don't know how much venom they're given and they just unload everything on you. They're very dangerous. You get rid of them, you have them removed. If you're told you're sick and you have cancer, you don't just go about your life business as usual, right? You get an aggressive treatment plan to deal with it. When we become aware of sin in our own life, if all we do, what we have to do is change our actions to be pleasing to God. You change your actions. You forsake the sin. You confess it and you forsake it. What does that look like though? You guys remember the movie Fireproof? It's a great example. He, he has a, this guy struggles with pornography. So what does he do? You guys remember the scene? He takes his computer out of his house and he beats it with a baseball bat in front of everybody. There are some of you this morning who probably need to rip your computers out of your walls and beat them with a baseball bat. Or you need to take your phone and throw it away. Men, because I know what statistics say, pornography use in the churches, it's almost just as high in churches as the outside world. But you know what? You think you can get away with it. You think you can hide it. All those things we just talked about. And you don't grow in Christ. And you become stale and stagnant in your faith. Instead of confessing it and forsaking it. Getting the things out of your life. Establish new habits. Avoid certain people. Hey, listen. If you struggle with alcohol, don't start a ministry in a bar. Right? Don't go hang out at the bar on Friday night and eat dinner. Be smart. You, you, You... You avoid certain things. You get reliable friends that will hold you accountable. Proverbs 18, 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruins. Listen, the people that we hang out with and we associate with will either help us overcome sin or lead us into sin. So the people that you should be friends with and you hang out with and you take advice from should be giving you godly counsel, not leading you into sin. Maybe you need to get new friends. Maybe you need to hang out with different people. Listen, you know what? You know what the amazing thing is? You know what God does? He establishes a church for that. He gives us brothers and sisters in Christ that we can love and encourage one another and live life with. When we are properly handling sin in our lives and not being sneaky or hiding or running from it, you know what happens with your life? It changes. You grow in Christ. You become more confident in the Lord Jesus. Confident that our sins have been forgiven. By the blood that he shed for us on the cross. That he paid for our sins. And you know what? You have now the promise of Romans 8.1. Where it says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have victory in Christ. You know, what's the song Ace sings, Victory in Jesus? You literally sing that because you have victory in Christ. You know what? You don't have that victory when you're sneaky or you're hiding things or you're running. You confess your sin to God. You agree with Him at sin and you turn from that sin. Put your faith and trust in Christ. You, for, you look the sin, you turn from the sin. That's forsaking sin. And if there are things in your life, people that can help you do those, those things, safeguards, you do them. Because you know that you want to honor God with your life. I'm closing this morning. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. This isn't a hammer down on Moses church. Because Moses, we're going to learn in the coming weeks. Oh man, does God use him? It's amazing how he uses them. Did Moses have issues... Of sin in his life. Yes he did. We'll look at another one later on. But God uses him. He uses him. Listen I promise you this morning. That if you have unconfessed sin in your life. If you will just humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before God. Agree with him. That it's sin. Be in agreement with God. Not that you're smarter than God. Or excuse it away. And you turn from that, you know what he will do? He will use you. He will exalt you. He will forgive you. You will be restored. I can't do that for you. Nobody else in here can do that for you. You have to do that. You have to be willing to humbly do that. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you need to come, you can come. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for the lessons that are here Uh, In your word this morning. I pray that you've been glorified and honored. If there's people here Lord that need to confess sin to you. I pray they don't leave here without doing it today. Lord they may feel like they've been getting away with hiding sin from mom and dad. Or from their spouse or whoever. They're certainly not hiding it from you. Yes we can hide sin from one another sometimes. But we're never going to hide it from you. And we must agree with you about God that it's sin. I pray this morning that you work in hearts and minds and there's change. In your name I pray. Amen. and team I appreciate you guys Uh, benediction for today so we're gonna have a a business meeting about 10 minutes give you guys about 10 minutes to talk and hug and uh, all that good stuff and uh, and then we'll have our business meeting Uh, here's the benediction so when we confess sin and we forsake sin the scripture says that he's faithful and just to forgive us now look at this this is amazing Hebrews 10, 17 says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Hmm. Man. So all those horrible things that we've done in our life, he don't even remember. Doesn't remember them. Puts them away. That's amazing. That is an amazing verse. That means when you confess it, he says, I don't remember this anymore because I paid for it. I paid for it. Now, who who's going to try to remind you? Satan. Satan, you're not good enough to serve God. You're not good. Do you remember what you did? You calc- he's not going to use you. He knows he, Satan can't have your soul. When Jesus saves you, you're saved, right? You know what he can't try to do? Make you ineffective for the kingdom. You gotta have promises like this, where God says, I don't remember your sin anymore. I'm thankful for that. Now, here's the the challenge of this, though. If God doesn't remember our sin anymore, we shouldn't remember it anymore. And when somebody sins against you and asks for forgiveness, you forgive them with that same type of forgiveness. And don't remember their sin anymore. That's challenging, church. Mike, close us in prayer, would you, brother?